After taking a rough 7-3 beating at the Garden last week, the Rangers had one thing in mind for their rematch with the Toronto Maple Leafs Tuesday night. Revenge. And revenge was well served with a W. The boys went into Toronto, took down the Leafs 5-2, and avenged the loss that hung over their head for a week, including taking it into back-to-back matchups with the Ducks and the Bruins. A very exciting overtime win against the Bruins. We talk about the weekend series. We talk about Igor. We talk about Jimmy Vesey. We also welcome on former Ranger Daniel Carcillo to talk about his time with the club, including the 2013-14 Eastern Conference Championship. All that and much more in the latest episode of Up in the Blue Seats podcast from the New York Post. And it starts right now. Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. Rangers win. They're on a little bit of a hot streak here. You love to see it. 3-0 in the last three games against the uh, pretty good teams. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Hartz. We're, of course, joined, as always, by the post Larry Brooks, Miss Molly Walker, the beat writer, and former Ranger Brian Boyle. Anyone who's watching the podcast right now will see that we're all in our usual spots, minus Molly, who happens to be in the Toronto airport. Yeah, she's given the view of uh, the seating arrangement there, which uh, looks quite comfortable, as most airports do. Um, How's everyone doing? Everyone is uh, surviving? It's five the early holidays. We're getting to the late holidays now. We're hanging in. We're hanging in. <laughs> yeah, we're hanging in. That's that's all I feel like you can do at this point. The twins slept through the night last night. That's a W oh, right there. Tub. That I'm is a big dub. That's See, I am buzzing right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> On and off the ice, Brian's getting wins. We like to see that. Uh, we also like to see the Rangers win. Last night, took down the Maple Leafs in another revenge game. I love these revenge games that the Rangers are doing. The Preds one early on was great, and I get the Leafs this one. Uh, they won 5-2 to two after their 7-3 to three or 7-2 to two loss at the Garden last week, which um, some players seem to take some umbrage of. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute here. But uh, Mika and Alexi Lafreniere both scored in the second. Uh, Laffy with um, ending his 12-game goal drought, which, again, that's a good thing. We needed that. Uh, Schneider, Panera, and Mika with an empty net goal in the third. So, yeah, good game. Good game, solid game. Brian, I think you described it as a weird game. Again, after a, a bounce-back, much-needed win, coming off the weekend high with a big OT win against the Bruins, um, how impressed were you with that game last night, Brian? Well, I mean, you go up there and you try and get a win. It was a weird game. It was weird goals scored. There were weird, weird breakdowns, I guess. But, you know, they got a win and contributions from a couple guys that probably needed it. I, I didn't, I liked Schneider's goal a lot just because of how he got to where he got to. I know it was a bit of a interesting shot release that fooled the goalie, but I really liked that. I liked that Lafreniere gets on the board. It's tough when you're doing a lot of good things. And Laviolette said that prior to the game in not scoring and then you get one and it's kind of like not exactly how you draw it up all the time, but it, it is tangible. He will, I think hopefully create more that way. And, and, and Larry said it before we started recording that, you know, this is, you're getting contributions from a number of guys and, and 
I said like a month ago that this is just a really deep team and they win different ways. Uh, I was at the game. I saw Larry in, in Boston too. Like that was kind of probably as a head coach, how you want to draw those up because it's like a low event game on a back to back and they beat a really good team. So it was a, it was an impressive week. Yeah. It, you know, to me, when I watch the Rangers, it doesn't jump out at me. It doesn't scream at me that I'm watching the best team in the NHL. You know, I, I don't think I'm watching the, 82 Islanders or, you know, even the 94 Rangers, but they win and they win. And you look at the standings and they're at the top of the league again. They have the best percentage. They go into Boston. They they win a playoff style game. They were very proud of themselves for winning that game. I mean, that that's a game they're supposedly not built to win. They're not supposed to win two one games, they're supposed to win three, you know, four two or or five three. And, you know, to go into Boston and and uh, beat them, especially, yes, they had won the night before against Anaheim, but they there was still this, I think, hangover of, of them giving up five goals a game. Five, you know, there was five, seven last week to Toronto. And then they come back to Toronto and they win this game too. It's just Sturkin gave them two very impressive games on the road in, in Boston and Toronto. He looked in complete control. They looked in complete control. Which came first, I'm not sure. But, you know, you look at them and I think – um, or at least I do. I appreciate what they've done. I, I think they've gotten just about everything out of the group, but I don't think they've gotten everything out of every individual yet. So I think while we see some deficiencies, there's probably still a lot of upside from this group too. I really loved Schneider's goal against the Maple Leafs. And I feel like, I mean, when you think about when they drafted him, trading up to get him, you know, he's a big body, physical presence that was on the scouting report for him. And it was during the time when, you know, Gordon is saying we need to draft players that you know make us harder to play against. That was the whole theme of the last few drafts. Not a lot of guys on the Rangers in particular can get to the net like that. And one of them actually now plays for the Islanders and Julian Gauthier. He was one of the few guys that could do that when he was here, but he just couldn't finish. Braden Schneider, I'm going to write about this today. I really would like to see a lot more of that from him because if he can really tug on that offensive upside of his game, I feel like it just adds a whole new dimension to you know their blue line if he can really start producing. Yeah, we see flashes of it too. Yeah. There haven't been as and there haven't been as many this year. No, uh, he's been a little bit more under the radar. Well, he had a tough start. Gustafson is, you know, has taken off, so he's played. Right. You know, he's played back a little bit more, and you know, and it's it's, it's a different dynamic than when he was with, say, Ben Harper, mm-hmm. right last year, or 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 it's different when he's with uh, Zach Jones. But really interesting because he came up so young and was so good. So right and, he stay, and he and he's and he, you know, he has stayed at the level. He's um, there's not, you know, he's playing behind Fox and Truba. So, you know, limited opportunity for him right now. But he is um, he is an overlooked player a lot of the time. And I, and, and I agree. I'd, I'd like to see him step up a little bit more, too. He's incredibly the, strong. Yeah, the beginning of the season was like the first rocky, mm. so to say, part of his career. I mean, he's only been here for a few years, but. The fact that the first real Rocky Spur came at the beginning of this season, I feel like says a lot about the player. But I, I just remember playing against him, looking at him and talking to Crides after our playoff series years ago. I'm like, who, who is this kid? And you guys better hold on to him because he is, he, he's incredibly strong. He's got 
you know, he's, he's courageous too. He doesn't back down. That's an element that I think, especially on your back end and for how young he was, I was really, really impressed with. Now he's got jump. He can, and hopefully he just keeps adding and adding and adding. It isn't happy just being a part of it. I, hopefully he has high aspirations and maybe that's why he struggled a little bit at the start this year. Maybe he wanted a little more. He was forcing things or, you know, you never know. I can get inside his head, but you know, I like where he's at. I, I like him in that mix. Well, it's interesting to me too that he's 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 the person who Nils Lundqvist took a look at and recognized to himself, "I'm not going to beat out this kid, so I'm going to be the fourth right D now." Because you you know you had the Fox Truba there, and then here came Braden Schneider, who had been who had been a Ranger for a half a year, but after half a year, he, it seemed like he was so ensconced in that role. Then Nils Lundqvist, who had been a first rounder, also himself said to him, you know, said to the Rangers, "Get me out of here! I don't want. I'm not going to play in the AHL, and, and you know, until an opportunity um, arises for me." So, you know, so it was so interesting, so early, how impressive Braden Schneider was. And might I just add, what a golden retriever personality the Rangers have in him. And you guys should have heard the no joke five minute long answer when I sat down with him at the beginning of the season to ask him to evaluate his game thus far. Like he knew, you know, there was there was no corner cutting and he was so beyond more so accountable than he than he should have been, honestly, and just really has a a really good head on his shoulders. and it feels like those are the kind of locker room characters that you kind of need, especially in 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 the long grind that is a regular season. One of the things that I, I kind of want to revert back to in terms of the uh, Maple Leafs game was, Molly, in your game piece, you had written that a lot of the Rangers essentially, not that it's been a long while, it's only been a week, but that 7-3 loss kind of stuck in their head. Um, you could tell that that they were not necessarily pushing aside this past weekend's game against the Ducks and Bruins because, again, very important big game to win against the Bruins, especially on Saturday. But how important was it, do you think, for this team mentally after getting their doors beat off them at the Garden uh, to come back to kind of perform and, you know, to play up a level uh, to a Maple Leafs team? Well, I think head coach Peter Laviolette said that the team was extremely disappointed in their start in their first period against the Maple Leafs at the Garden. They went down 4-1. There was just not that good of an effort at all, all around. And I think they were pretty disappointed in that. Second period was better. Third period, the way Laviolette describes it is it was up for grabs and they just, you know, couldn't take it. But that game really was lost in the first period. So I think the fact that they came out against the Leafs in Toronto last night and played a scoreless, very tight first period just said it all, you know, of how of how they wanted to approach this game, of how they knew they needed to approach this game. And Toronto's good. Toronto's really I mean, the way that Toronto lit them up at the garden, their star players were their star players. And even last night, Austin Matthews just two goals on five shots. He's now got four goals and two assists, I think, against the Rangers in two games this season. Like that being said, I do think they probably could have marked <laughs> Matthews a little bit better last night. Better. Just a little bit. But that's a really good team. That's a really, really good team. I think it's a tough matchup for them in general. So I think the fact that they rebounded as convincingly as they did, even though, you know, a couple of fluky goals and yeah, you could say some of them, you know, got lucky bounces, but I always like to say that good teams create their own luck. 
And uh, I think that's exactly what the Rangers did. Yeah, they don't, don't apologize. That, that, yeah. um, that they sat on that for a couple of days and they were asked about it for a couple of days. And I, I don't it, nothing about that night sat well with them. They, you know, they, they didn't compete. Um, they, you know, maybe they competed for, you know, 25 or 30 minutes, but it, it was a game that was just an effort that was not worthy of their first half. And they they recognized that they also had and, and we've talked about this before. They also had two days of practice right after that. So, you know, they they went they went right back to work, worked on on correcting their errors from that game. But so much of it was effort. It was. And, and that's what I think disturbed them so much about the game. They knew they hadn't given their best account. Questions popped up after that Toronto beatdown that they took. And they answered him. I can't get over the fact that Igor had five shots after all that noise was around him. Yeah. And he had five shots in, in Boston. That's not a way to get your feet under you and feel confident. And he, you know, he stood in there. I thought that was, doesn't jump off the page at how many saves he had, but that is really not easy to do, talking to goalies. Yeah, and, and kind of curious about this now. It's good to see at least where he's getting, you know, these reps again, getting into that kind of groove. Because like I mentioned in the last episode, you want to make sure that at least, you know, the Jonathan Quick background noise isn't getting to him and it doesn't seem to be especially you know with a great performance last night and against the Bruins one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get into our interview with Daniel Carcillo Molly you spoke with Jimmy VC about you know nearly going to Europe after his time in Toronto it, it, it's a great piece um, just shows the um, the resilience that Jimmy has and you know at one of his lowest points but um, what was your uh, talk with him about and and how did all that go yeah I mean I think Jimmy VC is just such a great story in general I really appreciated uh, him opening up to me about what that was like for him I know he had talked to Larry a little bit about it and Larry had talked to me about how difficult of a time he had during the COVID seasons, just felt like he was kind of getting phased out. He lost his game a little bit. He didn't really have an identity anymore. And, you know, being when he was signed in Toronto, being isolated, he was telling me about, and I know this from when we traveled during the COVID season, how lockdown it was in Canada. I mean, the NHL rules in general, just they didn't even want them going to the grocery store. They wanted them getting delivered. So he was isolated. He was by himself. He was on a team under a coach that pretty clearly wasn't a fan, which all came out extremely publicly in the All or Nothing documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. I kind of went down a rabbit hole the night before uh, <laughs> the Maple Leafs game, just kind of looking into all of it. Figured I'd try to talk to him about it. And, you know, but it, it was adversity. It shaped him into the player that he is today. I mean, I don't think he would have had as much fire behind him if what happened in Toronto didn't happen when he got to New Jersey on the professional tryout. He, he told me and he was like, I don't want to curse. And I was like, well, you're talking to the right paper who can print it. So, um, but he basically just said F everything else. And I'm just going to go out and play. And he had a great camp, found himself a solid role in New Jersey and parlayed it into a return to the team that he has been very vocal about always wanting to play for and always wanting to win with. So I just thought it was very interesting to hear about his time in Toronto. Yeah, it uh, there was clearly something going on there with, with Sheldon Keefe. So I uh, I feel bad about how publicly it it, it uh, played out and he doesn't think that it was right. So it was it was a good story to share. 
Yeah, definitely a a, a good read as well, too. Larry, just kind of bouncing off of that. Um, mm-hmm. I know Molly wasn't with the team when during his first stint, but have right. you did, did, do you notice a difference in the player from who he was the first time around going through now? If like that whole experience changed him in any way? Well, I, I think, you know, he, he was a top six guy when he came. It, it's it's so interesting because he chose the Rangers twice. Yeah. You know, there's there are a lot of players who, you know, give a lot of lip service to, oh, I, I want to play in the original six. I want to come to New York. I want to play for the Rangers. But Jimmy Vesey chose the Rangers twice and under, you know, two different circumstances. Right. <laughs> what is that? Um, twice. <laughs> and so once it was a highly sought free agent out of college and one when he was looking for a professional tryout and um he was a good player his first time around but he he would he would sink into these stretches where he couldn't score and then he would doubt himself and talked about this you know he's his own worst enemy in his in his head and i think that's what's changed about jimmy i think he's you know he's now been in the league for what eight years is it and he's learned how he's learned how to survive he's learned how to adapt i i think his um his mental approach is is much better i think he's in a you know he's more consistent with his emotions he doesn't he doesn't get as down as he did his first couple of years here when you know when he was counted on to score and i think he scored 17 and 18 each year but he would also have these he was always have these stretches of 18 games 20 games where he didn't score now he's in a different role and i don't think there's a lot of pressure on him to score although he wants to score and um, so that's 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 the difference i think i you know you see someone who has figured out how to be a veteran and how to be a role player in the nhl he's um he's he's been a really good ranger he's he's had a very very good season he had a really good year last year um, and he did play what well, he played well for New Jersey. He's he's a very good bottom six NHL player. It's the consistency, like you said. It's being able when the coach looks down at the numbers, who can I trust right now? He's learned that. That's such an important part of being a pro because most teams have three guys they can rely on. You got to go score me a goal up front. And when they get tired, it's like, all right, who's next? They're going to play a lot. You got to figure out a way. If you're not that guy, yeah, he was that guy his whole life, but that's the hardest transition and some guys can't do it. And then if you, the mental part of the game, which is, you can't tell anybody how to approach it. Or I mean, I can't anyways, you just have to understand that I think he's prepared and he, he's worked all of that that he's done and what he's learned over the years, he's put into, you know, that PTO, that stigma in Jersey and turn it into, all right, I'm actually a player here. I'm a, a factor in the league. It wasn't the way I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. Now he's he's a big part of the club. He is a big yeah, part huge. of the team right now. And that in and of itself is the goal as a player. It's not numbers. It's not 25 goals. It's not 50 points. It's Am I a part of the fabric of this team? Do I? Does it matter that I play well for these guys? And I think he's understood that. And I'm really proud of just watching him. I trained with him when he was younger. As a new player in the league, we skated like how he's matured as a person is is really impressive to me because he's a huge asset and it's, it's yeah, we always cheer for the guys that are from around here anyways. And there's you, a lot of us you, that have gone. Can there. you imagine? I mean, and you knew him back then, but I remember how young he was. You know how yeah. young he looked yeah. When, yeah. When, he, when he broke in the league. And guys, actually, he looks the same. Let's be real. He he. No, <laughs> training couple scars training though. Camp, no. Yes. The uh, 
it was the World Cup of Hockey. It was that was that uh, 2016 when he came, and so right. I was uh, actually in Toronto for the first few weeks, and so I got to training camp late. I got to New York late. And I walked into the range room and I was looking for this guy. I said, all right, who's, where's Jimmy Vesey? And, and it's like, that's Jimmy Vesey? What is it? He's 14. That's not Jimmy Vesey. Come on. <laughs> uh, it was Jimmy Vesey. <laughs> it's, it's always easy to root for a guy like that. And especially, like you said, chose the Rangers twice. You know, that's, that's I tried to come back too. They just didn't want me. Well, well, that's you know, three different times. Maybe, maybe you didn't change enough for them. You know, what can I tell you? I, yeah, I wasn't changing. I, I wanted to. I just, you know, you get what you get. You get what you get. Uh, one last thing before we throw it over to uh, uh, Daniel Carcillo. Uh Brian, you made your debut on MSG Network Boston. Uh, how did we feel we yeah. did? did you, you know, do you have a personal uh, review when you're back on TV? A personal What's, review. Give it, give it to us. Um, it was different. I was looking at a camera that I couldn't see anybody. And I just did a couple segments. It was honestly, it was light work. A lot of hanging around waiting. Um, <laughs> I, I got to do the, uh, or I was just listening into Lavi's little pregame scrum. Uh, I got to say hi to him for a bit. I saw some of the guys walking in. Uh, nice to catch up with them. Did They didn't tell me that they were spending the night in Boston and had the day off. I would have changed some plans around probably and hung out with Aww. them for a little while, but probably a good thing I didn't. There's, there's enough going on here. Um, yeah, it was good. No, there was no post game. So after the second, I, I kind of took off so I could say goodnight to uh, my oldest, but yeah, that's, it was, it was great to be kind of working for one team so mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, we're unbiased, but I got a team that I can just, that's my, uh, we're unbiased here. Yeah. It's either, Easy to focus and uh, settle in on on someone specific. Well, it was such a boring. It was such a boring. Like the first period, uh, pick me some clips that you we could talk about. And I'm like, this is <laughs> this is not easy. Sometimes like, that thank happens. God, <laughs> thank God that like yeah, there was a goal and then the pasta thing. I mean, not thank God, but at least there's something to talk about. Everybody seems to be okay. I'm like, I got nothing here. <laughs> It's the hardest yes. part in broadcast yeah. when there's nothing to talk about. It's like, what the hell do I talk about now? You know. Well, the uh, the Rangers didn't want you, but I'm glad MSG wanted you. So that's <laughs> that's always a good thing. We like to hear that. Uh, Larry, we appreciate you coming on as always. Hope you have a good holiday. We'll speak to you next okay. week. Okay. See, see you next week. Thanks. See you, Larry. Back with Carcillo, who's out of the box. A pass for Carcillo. He scores. And celebrating in the face of the fire fans. <laughs> Back on the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, and we're joined by another former Ranger. We've got two Rangers on here, which is pretty freaking cool. He played with the Rangers in 2013-14 during that Eastern Conference championship run. Uh, it's, it's appropriate that he's positioned right there. If you're watching on video, he has one Stanley Cup on one side and one that he won on the other side when he won with the Blackhawks. He kind of flanked his Ranger tenure right in between those. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very appropriate that it's set up that way. Ranger uh, fans will love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's the uh, co-founder and COO of Healing Realty Trust, which we'll hear a little bit about later on. Uh, it's Carbomb, Daniel Carcillo. Daniel, appreciate you coming on. How's everything going with you? Going good, buddy. Yeah, it's going good. I'm uh, fresh out of a recent uh, ceremony and just enjoying life, enjoying kind of the year-end review, as most of us do here, and uh, just counting my blessings, man. Pretty grateful for everything that I have. I saw a little bit of that on, on, I think it was Twitter, where 
you've kind of taken a new, well, I don't know if it's new to you. you I've, I've followed you a little bit, but you've taken a different approach than sort of how you, what you did when you played, but you still kind of, I think you mentioned it and, and correct me or step in here what, at any point, you know, when you get angry or upset, when you played, you had a certain outlet for that. Now it's different for you and things that have gone wrong or maybe some frustrations in your life, you've gone and, and taken a different path. Like these ceremonies, I want to hear a little bit more about them because as we just talked about a little bit off, off the recording, you know, I got five kids now, things can get frustrating for me. So can you, can you walk us through a little bit of these? <laughs> Brian's like, these I need tips. Ceremonies? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying to breathe more. I do. I do some certain things. I just go outside and run for a while until I'm too far away to get back. Call yeah, man, that's, uh, we all have different tools that we use, right? One of my tools is, is definitely exercise and uh, meditation, uh, cold exposure. And if I can't figure some things out, so I'll take you just really quickly through my last kind of two weeks. Uh, the last two years of my life in business have been really difficult. I feel like I've been wronged. And, you know, if if you feel like you've been wronged, I'm 39 now, we came up in hockey, you want to hold somebody accountable, right? But you're carrying that revenge and that anger and that frustration. And then, you know, I listen to a lot of philosophy now and it, uh, it's, you don't get what you deserve. Kept um, attracting that into my life and, and it was not serving me anymore. And, but I couldn't figure it out with meditation, with breath work. I knew that I was doing it and that I had a, a radical role in it, uh, but I couldn't quite pin it. And so I, I was very used to using this part of me and it just, again, it wasn't serving me. I kept getting this stuff back in my life where I'm like, well, I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to do these types of things. I'm, I feel like I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? Well, it's because I was still wishing harm on these individuals that I feel that wronged me. And until I'm able to let that go, I'm going to keep attracting that into my life. And so I, that was a realization in the ceremony where this medicine, you can, you can bring a problem into the ceremony and, and this medicine will help, you know, you basically talk it through with somebody that you trust and respect for four hours and you'll get to these types of realizations, you know, and then it's on me or, or you to implement them into my life. So the first step that I took on Saturday night when I got out of it and back kind of into my body is I, I made three calls and made amends. And then, you know, as people call me, they're still calling me about these businesses, wondering what happened here and there. And I just don't entertain them. I don't say these people's names anymore. I genuinely wish them the best and I need to move on with my life. So that's how you use some of this medicine. And uh, it's just an amazing recovery tool. That's, that's like on the spiritual side. But then, Brian, for us and our brains, it connects different brain hemispheres and it, it flushes out inflammation and it's it it reconnects and reboosts kind of the nervous system. And so it's got a, a whole host of benefits. Yeah. If, uh, you know, if we have an hour, I can really dive in, <laughs> but I know we've only got 20. It makes sense to me. It's it's, it's wild to hear about and uh, appreciate you breaking down. Did, did you ever think that like your post playing career, this is what you'd be doing? Like how, how exactly did it? kind of fall into this way, you know, after you came off the ice? Uh, I was dealing with mild dementia and I was, you guys saw for the first four years, I just wanted to tear everything down. The photos of you before and after just, no, I noticed that you were remarkable, you were yeah. cerebral human. Like you were, their mind was always going. We sat next to each other on the plane a lot, played a lot of cards. You were, you had strong opinions on certain yeah. things, but, but I was, 
having played against you and you yapping at the red line in warmups, and I just thought you were a caveman <laughs> and then getting to know you and you know, you had intelligence, you were, you would think about things and you'd ask a lot of questions too. It was just like, I've, I was like, I never really met anybody like this guy. So we just talked about those ceremonies and now I know Molly wants to know about this, but how'd you get the nickname car bomb? <laughs> so Riley Cote, man, we were at, uh, I think it's called Barney's. Remember that bar in London that all the boys go to the patio bar? Uh, I never got to London. You didn't. Oh, no. Good for you. Probably a good thing. Yeah, you saved, <laughs> you saved your liver. Uh, so we, uh, we, um, we were just standing there and it was, I think it was 2000. It was right after I got traded for Upshaw. And he's like, man, we need a nickname for you. Like you need a nickname. And you know how I was like, on and off the ice. I was going, right? And uh, he's like, it's got to be Carbomb. And everyone's like, I'm like, damn, that's, that's a pretty good nickname. So, mm. and then it just kind of stuck. And then, I, you know, I played two and a half years in Philly and my play just backed it up for oh, sure. Car, car bomb, you boom. Came, you, you came up on our last yeah. podcast and I like, <laughs> I, I like uttered your name under my breath and my mom texted me after the fact and called me out so hard. It was like, you used to stand <laughs> on the couch when you would fight and I would scream car bomb. <laughs> <laughs> is this when I was, uh, I was on the, you were, are you a Philly? When I, no, it was, uh, when I was in high school when you were with the Rangers. <laughs> it's oh, okay, cool. The, the yeah, everlasting was, uh, memories. It was a good run, man. I got fond memories. Fond I'm memories. curious to hear, uh, your yeah, favorite sick. memories. Great. Of, I mean, I was there for a cup of tea. You know? Yeah, you were. I'm curious right, cool. to hear your, um, yeah, uh, I just, memories of playing with Brian. Yeah, it was, uh, well, Brian has a presence about him. And he's, he's like a, it was strange, right? Because I don't think guys realized how tough he was because, you know, he was an amazing player, like, you know, very uh, skilled and just good at, at his position. And, and, but I mean, and it would take a lot for him to like explode. <laughs> I always found that pretty funny, but when he did, it's like, geez, like look out. Um, but he was always great in the room. Uh, I remember that he was, um, he was, a, and he was a guy that, you know, he was pretty soft spoken, but he, uh, you, you, I, I always felt a draw towards, you know, towards following his example on the ice, you know, and I think a lot of guys did and, uh, just a, just an amazing teammate, you know, never, never in a bad mood, you know, him and his wife and, and his kids, just like, you could tell he was a good family man. And, uh, so, I mean, Yeah. Uh, he's just so that was he's beautiful. A good teammate, yeah, man. Brian. You should put that as your Yelp review. <laughs> I have a favorite memory of that run, and it was when uh, I attempted to throw a sauce to Cars. I don't know if you were coming out of the box. Uh, probably after like we were winning the game, we knew we were winning the game, and things kind of got a little fun. Yeah, um, and I threw. I tried to throw a sauce. It was like end over end. You you catching the pass was probably the best part of the play. But people don't realize that only probably you and I do. Cause it was such a burger. <laughs> then you finished off a breakaway, and you go right to the glass, and there's the photo of the two, you know, double pistols. I know exactly what you're talking you just, about. <laughs> almost like Radko Gudis ripped you off last playoff, screaming at the goalie's face. You did that to all of Philly fans in that section. And, and, and the you just saw a bunch corner. of middle fingers in oh, his yeah. direction. It was yeah. just like a bunch of middle fingers from the glass. And he's just, Kirk is just looking straight at them with like eyes are 
bulging out of his head like yeah (laughs) so so, uh you yeah that sauce so it was a backdoor backdoor backhand tap and yeah the game was out of out of out of hand already and this is playoffs dude yeah wasn't it wasn't it the first round yeah um and uh ray emery was in net my man uh we all miss you and love you and and so i tapped it in and then the ref was standing right there so i came around the corner i remember and i just and looked at him and slash and there's an angle of that recording where he's like like this and uh and then i don't remember what i was saying but i remember i was just standing staring at them and you came up and everybody was like okay man like like let's go and everyone hugged me and and then i looked and i was like i'm still standing there i just blacked out um but that was yeah that's such a sick picture yeah that's cool that was a good moment and uh and then dude yeah scoring uh so you giving me that sauce and then Zuccarello with the backhand spinorama game was 7 G dub that insane was, was pretty sick. how'd you see it though I I watched that I've seen that I movie. didn't I didn't dude I watch it back and you know it's those passes that come in I don't it went know to how three I people I, I know I swear to God I don't know how I put that in I don't know how oh I it was uh, it was unreal man that was that was so much fun then right. That that I uh, forget the linesman, but he was very aggressive. He grabs people hard. Yeah, I I don't blame you. I I actually didn't even see it. That that really uh, I that sucked. You know what? You know what? It, it goes back to like what I've the lessons I've learned. Right? You don't get what you deserve. You get who you are. And I I was I was not a nice guy. And I always joked with my buddies back home like I'm gonna go out hitting a fucking ref. I'm gonna beat the fucking wheels off of a ref. That's <laughs> how I'm gonna That's end how I'm my gonna go out. NHL career. And then, and then I hit him. The, the thing is, obviously, I played another year with the Blackhawks and we won again. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, um, our coach just wouldn't, he just, <laughs> he just wouldn't put me back in. And I understood why. Because he's like, I don't know what these refs are going to do if they're going to hold yeah. you accountable and then hold our team. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm like, dude, thank you for just even saying that to me. Because most coaches would just shy away from it and play mind games. And uh, so I completely understood. And I just tried to, like I did with Chicago in 15, man, play the music, have fun, be light, you know, uh, just yeah. try to bring something to the table. I That's mean, another impressive. That was another impressive thing. Like he, that was a bad bounce. And, you know, when you're, we had a good chance of advancing, we were a good team and and Dan had to swallow that pill and we brought in Dorset too. And, and we had, it, we had too many guys. We had 13 guys for 12 spots. So they kind of rotated a little bit, but that, yeah, you, I mean, everyone was a good guy. Everyone. Okay. When it was your turn, you did an unbelievable job of bringing that fire, but also contributing offensively, which is so hard to do when you play short minutes, man, huge goals for us. So, you know, I can thank you for a lot of those memories because, you know, game seven in round one, if we lose that, it's over. And I have these lifelong memories of going on that run, playing cards and, Having a blast, letting that uh, Adam, the uh, intern, steal all my money on uh, Ace King suited and poker. You I'll never yeah, forget dude, that. You, you don't forget, do you? <laughs> you dude, Brian. Like, yeah, I was. I think good. there was a point where I like maybe pulled you aside and I was like, dude, you should probably think about you should think about not playing cards. Yeah, like, <laughs> give it a give it a serious go. Maybe maybe take a break, take a breather. <laughs> and take he did. Tea. I think someone bought me a book. I think. Did you buy me the book? Somebody bought me a book. You bought so, him the book. <laughs> was it Hanks? Was it Hanks? What What was the thing that we did when when you got on the back of the? Uh, was it Hanks? The book? Wine lottery. Wine lottery. The wine lottery. Was it that? Maybe. 
and I bought him, it was my turn or something. And I bought him a cashmere sweater. And I think I bought you the the poker. I appreciate it because it it worked out for itself. As I got a little older, I I got, I clawed back. We'll say, we'll say I'm even case. Just for the sake. (laughs) Well, we'll say I'm even, I broke even. (laughs) Didn't get a playoff, didn't get a playoff bonus, but, uh, you got a life lesson in cards. Yeah, exactly. It's all that matters. Uh, Dan, we're going to let you go on this one here. A hundred fights, 1200 penalty minutes, nine suspensions. I mean, needless to say, you you were indeed a true fighter out on the ice. Any one fight that stands out to you that you're, you know, you're most proud of, you take a lot of pride in anything come to mind for you. Uh, I guess it's probably the only reason I'm saying this just because of missing curfew. Uh, just reposted it, but uh, uh, the one punch against Chris Barch when I was in Phoenix and just give him the old Muhammad Ali. That was uh, <laughs> kiss the blue line. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> that or Sean Thornton, uh, the winter classic one was uh, was a good one too. I got to imagine fighting out in the ice. I was at Fenway, right? If I recall. Yeah. That's at Fenway. And I, I, I can only imagine like, you know, it, it, as if it's not cold enough outside, you're fighting with your, your, your nucks out there. That, that had to be, some brutal shots you had to take. But uh, listen, we're going to let you go here. Um, again, we appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, co-founder, CEO, Healing Realty Trust, uh, Daniel Carcel. You can follow him at, at CarBombBoom13 on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> uh, still representing the nickname. Gotta love it. Still repping it. <laughs> you, you will forever be CarBomb. Uh, Daniel, appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. We, we had it uh, circled and we thought we owed them one. So it was uh, a game that we, we wanted to get back at them for. And, and uh, I thought we, we did just that. And that'll put a bow on episode 137 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Before we get out of here, we got to dish out some stars. Brian, who's your number one star of the week? Igor. We got to give it to Igor. There were a lot of questions after the drubbing he took, and I didn't think they were all fair. I mean, there was a lot of sort of, I mean, odd man rushes and, and not a lot of structure in front of him. And go, I mean, we've said it, goalies thrive on that. Then he goes into Boston and gets five shots in a very low event period, and it's hard to find your game. And he stood in there, made some big stops when he had to. Got a little momentum now, so I'm giving it to Igor. There you go. Yeah, Igor needs the momentum. It's like we talked about. It's going to be important for him to steal a couple games, especially since the Rangers can be a little shoddy on defense. So those games he's able to steal, do his thing. It's fantastic. Uh, number st- two star of the week for me, I'm going to go with, uh, let's go Vincent Trocek. I have two guys in mind, but I'm going to go Trochi for number two, just because uh, he had two goals against Boston, including the game winner in O. Trochi has been a revelation. Of course. I, you know, I, he's, of course. he's one of your guys, Brian. I know that, especially like no one could have seen this coming. I feel like when the Rangers brought him in and whatnot, he, he's kind of taking the reins and he's um, taking them as far as he can at this point. You know, you just hope stay healthy, keep doing his thing. And uh, a little more heroics in overtime never hurts oh, yeah. you. And that's Beauty. Uh, number three, and you mentioned Horace. I'm going to go with the Cridesdale here. And I think you can yeah, agree with me on this one. Um, I, I'm going to go number three because now he is the third. He has the third most goals in New York Rangers history past uh, Adam Graves. It's crazy. I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the, the tribute video that they posted on, on social media where, you know, how, oh, Ryder, oh it's, it's a great video. It's actually narrated by Gravesy. And it's... Uh, oh, that's yeah, awesome. I'll check that out. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal watch because you see him, you know, be drafted and this little skinny twig of a kid 
and now it's like he's 32. He's a man. He's like he's 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 the man. You know, I, I I've always heard him as the de facto captain. I know you're a big fan of his as well. I got to watch him in college, and then we drafted him. You know, while I was still there. So I mean, I just he's from the Boston area, and we always pumped all the guys up. You know, him and Beast. But it's just it's a guy that I mean, he moved down to you know Southern Connecticut to be closer, and that's it's his life. That's his home. He's been a Ranger forever. He's just the guy's all time. He does everything every year, every summer to prepare and get better and better. He's a great man. He really is. He loves that team. Just wants to win. That's uh, that's that's one thing that, that I think Ranger fans want to see as well, too, is him eventually raise the cup over his head. What's he doing on that second goal, though? I want him to close that guy out in the corner. I'm going to text him later. <laughs> What's wrong with you? How dare you? Hey, listen, nobody's perfect, even though you may be number three on the goals all-time list. Uh, but we're going to get on out of here. As always, we're going to thank Jake Brown for helping in producing the show. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching us right now on the New York Post YouTube sports page, give us a thumbs up, give us a comment. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Brian, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, well, I wait till uh, Christmas Eve to watch Christmas Vacation. Oh, classic. Yeah, just once a year I watch it. Uh, right, yeah, right after the kids are down, I put it on. I, Declan tried to get me to put it on last night, and I, I actually I set it into the little voice remote. I'm like, what am I doing? We can't watch this until Christmas Eve. So I think this year, I think this year he's going to watch. He's eight now. I think he's going to watch with me for the first time. He's probably going to hate it ten minutes in, but he really wants to watch it. I'm really building it up, so we'll see how it goes. You got to ingrain it in his memory. I've got the uh, the, the moose cup with the eggnog that I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I always break that out right after Christmas. Yeah, Christmas vacation is a classic. Good call. Oh, yeah. Good call, Brian. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. Molly Walk at Molly Walker. That's two E's, two R's. Brian Browse, 22. Myself, Andrew Hartz without the E. Uh, big thanks to Daniel Carcilla coming on as well, too. So for Brian Boyle, Larry Brooks, Molly Walker, myself, Andrew Hartz, uh, thanks. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. Have a wonderful Christmas. We're not going to see you guys until next week. So uh, have a good, happy, healthy, joyful with your family, friends, whoever you're spending it with. Uh, we always appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Later. I am buzzing right now.